الله الرحمن الرحيم الله We are in Surah Al-Qaf, Surah number 50, Ayah number 38. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Al-Rajim, Bismillahi Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضُ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا فِي سِتَّةِ أَيَّامٍ وما مسنا من لغوب Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that benefiting from the Quran requires attentive listening and opening, opening your heart and your mind to the words of the Quran and uh, maintaining Uh, an honest attitude and approach while the words of the Qur'an are being recited. So in that vein, there is information that Allah gives as to how he creates this surah, surah tiqaf, goes through some of the phases of a human being's existence and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates. So in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us how he creates the heavens and the earth. That indeed we have created the heavens and the earth and everything in between the two in six days. Days and And Lughud uh, didn't touch us. Fatigue and tiredness did not touch us. I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ability to create is innate. It is not acquired. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he creates, he creates just by his word. You know, he doesn't need, nor does he expend any energy in doing so. It is through his word, and his word is creative. And that is how Allah subhanahu creates the heavens and the earth and everything in between the two. So when you make this statement and this claim that you create, creating anything in this world is huge in the sense that people will marvel and celebrate the idea that you create. Human beings, mashallah, when they procreate, it is a huge event in everyone's lives, and everyone marvels at the creation. Everyone celebrates the creation, which is now the baby. And anything else that human beings create, whether in terms of manufacturing, in terms of building, in terms of stem cell research, and whatever it is, it's a magnificent feat, uh, albeit we may not agree with the method, but still it is now honored and celebrated. And this is how now Allah is claiming that he creates the heavens and the earth, which is a spectacular phenomenon. 
So against the backdrop of atheism and every other ism that's out there, which is dominating the minds of human beings today, the human beings don't want to see anything about the creator. They don't believe in a creator. And now Allah here in this surah makes this claim that we have created the heavens and the earth. Not only that, Allah is claiming that he did it in six days, which is another claim. So that's why the previous ayah is now going to come here and play on the minds of the reader. That if you truly want to benefit from the Quran, then you have to pay attention. You have to listen. You have to be ready to accept something that is beyond you. What is beyond you is the creation of the heavens and the earth. And you will simply have to acknowledge that all of this great system and the material through which the system is made and how the material is now used in such an orderly, orderly and organized way is not without a crater, uh, is not without a designer, and all of that. So anyway, in six days, whatever the meaning of the word day there is, days are kind of relative in the Qur'an also. One day could be a thousand years, as the Qur'an says. One day could be 50,000 years, also as the Qur'an says. So the, the, the uh, amount of time that is represented in the word day is different in different contexts and so on. So whatever the meaning of the word day is, it is what it is. But for the listener to step back and say, subhanAllah, this is an amazing, amazing claim. And there's no one there who can refute the claim. Nobody else has made this claim that uh, he's created the heavens and the earth and so on. So if you travel in the desert and you travel at sea and you see the sun, the moon, the stars, you see the planets and you see the, the amount of water and you see the amount of land there is and the amount of uh, you know provisions Allah has provided for everything in a very organized, orderly way, in a very systematic way, then you know you are left short of, uh, you know, conceding that there is a rubber, that there is a crater. So this for the natural observer, without going into science. Okay, science will spoil your ability to observe the natural phenomenon. Science, you have now uh, definitions and you have hypotheses and you have now calculations and you have all of that which doesn't allow you to see what you need to see with the naked eye, uh, without being biased and without being pushed in one direction that you must think this way to get to the truth. Just see it the way a Bedouin Arab would do. And the Bedouin Arab, they had no problems accepting that Allah is the creator of the heavens and the earth. Their, Their shirk was not at the macro level. Their shirk was at the micro level where they could not uh, understand and conceive the idea that Allah does everything at the micro level also. Anyway. Then Allah says that, yes, human beings, when they create, there's a certain amount of effort uh, that's needed, required, and everything. Even when you have to you know, cook food, there's a certain amount of effort that's needed. 
certain amount of endurance that's needed. But here Allah says, وَمَا مَسَّنَا مِنْ لُغُوبٍ There was no fatigue, no tiredness. Nothing was expended. And it was just Allah says, be, and it becomes. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bringing this reality into the surah so that people who read the surah will understand that this is from Al-Qur'an Al-Majid, the nobility that Allah has, that Allah creates without any labor, and he offers this to everybody. He is so noble and generous that his generosity includes everybody, uh, whether they believe or whether they don't believe. And that's how the graciousness of the noble works. And so, on. so now, this is a prelude to the next sentence, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees and hears the insults that are levied against the Prophet وسلم, for you know, promoting this idea that there is a divine and the idea that a divine helps you in everything uh, that you need in order to live, sustain yourself and even perhaps enjoy yourself. فَاصْبِرْ عَلَى مَا يَقُولُونَ So now, when you know Allah creates everything within six days, then be patient with what people say and what people accuse you of and then don't panic, okay, don't lose hope, and don't get angry at people for rejecting you, because that's not a good sign for those who want to go all the way. Yes, there will be refutation, people will reject you, people will dishonor you, people will insult you, they'll conspire to assassinate you, they'll drive you out of your homeland, and they'll do everything to make sure your life is miserable. So what do you do? Fasbir. You be patient. Because patience is the defense of uh, refutation, refusal, and everything else that human beings, unfortunately, face. So, fasbir, sabr is a potent weapon, and it's also a shield. So you must use this inner ability within you of sabr. Okay, sabr comes from within. Sabr is not something you buy in the market. Sabar is not something that you wear as a clothing. Sabar is that from within you that you must discover your innate abilities and your innate faculties and your innate powers which are latent in you, they're dormant in you. So what the outer external refutation does is that it wakes up these genes of inner perfection. They're dormant in human beings. So you need something to stimulate them so that they awaken. And when they awaken, you're now patient. But it's in you. Okay? You have the ability to now turn on the switch of your patience. So the patience is in you. It is not seen as a defect. Right? Unfortunately, uh, many times now in society, patience is seen as you know, a deficiency as seen as, you know, being passive, and so on. So here the Qur'an says, no, patience is not passive, patience is active. Okay. It will give you inner power, resolve, resolution, durability, strength, stamina. That's what patience does. If you now start and begin to acquire your own inner uh, perfections, you'll see life will be very different. 
for you and for other people. That the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what people say about you, against you, and there's a natural reaction in you to obviously do what you think is best and react to it. But you need to help them understand that this is the truth. So you become now a place where they can come to you and see that you actually have resolve and you're determined uh, and all of that. So the way you do this is that you are inwardly patient. Then outwardly, what do you do to seek Allah's help? So this obviously is in the Quran also. Uh, the Quran seek help with patience and salat which is mentioned here as dhikr or tasbih in this ayah so there are two ways to draw the attention and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created all the heavens and the earth in six days so when you know somebody has the ability to create everything that you know that exists, that you don't know exists in six days, then you now derive strength from that being. So you plug yourself into the eternal powers of Allah who creates everything within six days, then you will gain power. But how do you do that? One is sabr and the other is salat and dhikr and tasbih. And that's how you plug yourself in uh, to the eternal abilities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who will then help you overcome all the obstacles in front of you, which he did. Alhamdulillah, mashallah. Within a few years, the Prophet now was able to be uh, very patient and then he succeeded within very few days. Okay, so now Allah creates within six days. You will be able to create a wonderful revolution within a very short period of time if you are patient. So you have to be foresighted. You can't be short-sighted. Every time something goes wrong in your life, okay, let's whack somebody. Shout and scream and demand is your right. So Islam works slightly differently. Islam doesn't work on the paradigm of the dunya. The dunya has one paradigm, one system, one nilam. Islam has another system, another nilam, another paradigm. And it's usually, a, what do you call it, hmm? counterintuitive. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Um, so that's why if you want to do Islam, patience is a prerequisite. You can't do Islam if you're not patient. You should not be in the field. You should not teach if you don't have patience. You shouldn't promote Islam if you don't have patience. You shouldn't even be in anywhere near the ballpark if you don't have patience. It's a prerequisite. It's not something that you obtain on the job because if you're not patient on the job, uh, you'll lose yourself and you'll lose Islam also. And you lose the people in front of you. So that's one. The other is now uh, deriving power from the source of all power, who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah says, وَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ hmm? Make tasbih of the praise of your Lord. 
because the praise of your Lord is now accessing the divine power. When you say Subhanallah, Bihamdi, when you say Subhanallah, when you say Alhamdulillah, when you say La ilaha illallah, when you say Allahu Akbar, that is your plug in to the divine. You have to call the divine, summon the divine, you have to petition the divine, you have to make dua to Allah so that he'll help you. If you don't make dua, he'll, he'll, okay? you don't need me, so I don't need you. Yeah, that's that's a. Allah has all the beautiful names, so you must call him. It's not enough to say, oh, Allah knows. He knows, but uh, he wants to show, he wants you to show humbleness and need in front of him that, Ya Allah, I need you, as Musa said, that whatever khair you want to send me, I'm in need of it, so you must show your dependence on Allah verbally. Physically, you must show it, not just in your mind or your conscience, in the heart. In my heart, I, I know Allah. No, say it, uh, profess it, claim so through your tongue and so on. Qabla shams before the sun rises, wa qabla al-ghurub and before the sun sets, wa min al-layl and also at night, fasabihu, and then then make the sabih of him. The bar of sujood, in the uh, turning away of bowing down, when you're bowing down, the adbar of sujood. The mufassirun, alhamdulillah, have made that, uh, a, well, they've come to a realization that this, since there is time involved in the tasbih here, the tasbih here means salat, okay, which is a good interpretation, that you should make salat. Before the sun rises, which will be Fajr, before the sun sets, which will be Dhuhr and Asr, and after the sun sets in the night, that will be Maghrib and Isha. So all the five Salat are included in this ayah of Tasbih. Tasbih has been used for Salat in other places in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. Kullun qad alima salatahu wa tasbihahu. Everyone knows their Salat and their Tasbih. Yes, uh, it is not far-fetched, and this was the interpretation of many of the uh, tabi'in and some of the sahaba. So whether it's tasbih, in terms of saying subhanallah, as the Prophet says, whoever says subhanallah, alhamdulillah, allahu akbar, uh, hundred times a, a day, uh, their sins will be forgiven uh, even though there may be there may be so many sins, okay. So making tasbih now brings about Allah's forgiveness, which is a huge ni'mah, and it's a huge force power. Okay, how do you bring down Allah's rahmah? You say Subhanallah. So uh, when Muslims knew this and they asked Allah this way, things will get done and so on. So the Prophet here is being asked by Allah Himself that you must do this in the morning, in the evening, at night, and you must do additional sujood, adbar sujood refers to additional uh, sujood that the Prophet ﷺ was advised to do, like in tahajjud and the other nawafil that he used to perform, and so on. So here we see the formula for the Prophet ﷺ to succeed was just not diplomacy by itself was not simply engaging at the political level. In fact, that's not even mentioned here. 
What's mentioned here is the spiritual okay, gains that Allah Taala wants you uh, to develop, and that is now twofold. One is uh, through akhlaq, good moral behavior, discipline, resolve, resolution, determination, uh, bravery, patience, etc. And the second is ibadah of Allah. So ibadah is a tool by which you bring down Allah's abilities. It's not passive. Unfortunately, nowadays, everybody who's a secular-minded Muslim, he doesn't even know that there's such a thing called ibadah. And if you tell him, do salat al-hajah, and then make dua to Allah, things will happen. You say, what the heck is this? This kind of, you know, outdated, antiquated, suspicions, superstitions, more than suspicions. That's not the way. The, the, the way of, of the uh, Anbiya and the Awliya is to ask Allah directly. Instead of knocking on the door of the White House, knock on the door of Allah. The difference is the White House will never open their doors, whereas Allah will always open his doors. That's the difference. And we should know this. We're not saying there's no need for a political campaign. There is. It works, it doesn't work. When you call Allah, Allah always works in your favor through whatever means He has in mind and the system <clears throat> through which He brings down His Rahmah. Because the ultimate goal of every Muslim should be that his sins are forgiven. Is that the ultimate goal? So when your sins are forgiven, then you're eligible for Jannah. The ultimate goal is not to get to the White House. Hmm? Okay, you get to the White House and you don't do anything, then what? And that happens all the time. People get to the White House and they don't do anything. Then what? What's next? Is that meaning that supremacy on earth is one thing? It helps. It may help. It doesn't help. But when he says, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allah, Allah, and the Prophet says, Allah will forgive your sins, that's something. Because that is the objective. Salvation is the ultimate objective for every Muslim in this dunya and also in the akhirah. But having said that, when the Prophet applied this, this is a Makki surah. This surah is revealed in Makkah. Uh, he found success in Medina very quickly, within five or six years. He went back to Mecca, conquered it, uh, alhamdulillah, and he championed the dunya also through this formula. So now we do both things. We work in the mundane world to do whatever we can on the political front and the social front. At the same time, we also work on the ibadah. Uh, which otherwise is known as a spiritual world. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this formula that at the macro level, you must believe Allah creates everything within six days, which is a, it's a piece of cake for him. Kun fayakun, that's how much power, ability he has. You must believe in that power. So a Muslim cannot say it is not possible. It is possible. Now, if you were a historian at that time and you saw that there's nothing happening for Muslims in Mecca and you have barely a hundred people following you at the time of Hijrah and now you're saying that uh, we will rule the world. Uh, you guys are crazy. <laughs> 
Allah creates in six days. What's your problem? Your problem is that your creativity is limited to your mind. And your mind is so limited that you don't want to believe. You don't want to believe that it's possible. That's the problem. But the Sahaba believe, the Prophet believe that if you have the right format, if you have the right theory, and you do everything the way Allah wants you to do, you will be successful. After Hijrah, within seven years, a magnificent victory, which at the time of Hijrah would have been uh, impossible to conceive. So you bring both uh, eyes together, and that, look, Allah creates uh, everything, the heavens, the earth, everything. You can't, you can't even go into that detail in six days. Now, you will be uh, persecuted, you'll be refuted, you'll be insulted, you'll be persecuted, and we don't want you to do anything except be patient. You're not going to react. And as you're patient, you'll seek more ibadah from Allah. You will become closer to Him. You'll praise Him, you'll make His tasbih, you'll do salat, you'll call Him, you'll petition Him, then Allah will help you. That is the system of seeking help from Allah. This is how Allah helps you. There's only one system, and that is through ibadah, through tawakkul, through sabr, through patience, and so on. And that is what happened. Then Allah points us to another direction. Is it okay? Alhamdulillah, you will make it in this dunya, you will become big, you will become an empire, civilization. But what then? What's next? You have to then realize that there are different phases of human life. One phase is this dunya, where you can be whoever you want to be. You can even be the great khalifa. But everybody meets their end. And when they meet their end, what happens at the end? This is what happens. That you die... You stay in your grave, and then you're resurrected, and then you are judged by the Almighty. So you must prepare for that day also. Not just this dunya. Okay? So the secularist will be confined to this dunya, where the person who worships Allah will say, I have a day, an appointment, when I'm meeting Allah. So I have to prepare for that appointment also, for that interview also. Will I have the necessary tools and the attire to meet Allah when I meet him? And so on. So Allah is now stating, as I said, the phases of human life, phases of human existence, that Allah is so noble, he wants you to prepare for every phase. Is that something that's short-sighted? That Muslims have glory on earth, but what about the day of judgment? Who's going to judge you? You may not have the right niyyah, even if you are successful. And if you don't have the right niya, that will be exposed on the day of judgment and so on. So prepare for that. Wastamir. Pay attention. Listen to the day. It's about that phase of your existence. That day, you must listen to what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Yunadil Munadi. That the announcer will announce from a very close place. Yeah. And this is usually interpreted as Israfil, the announcer, who will blow into the trumpet a second time. 
from a very close place, meaning that everybody will hear <coughs> the blowing, the sonar effect of the second blowing, which is uh, to recreate. The first one is uh, destructive, and the second one is constructive. That's the ability of this angel, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has assigned him to do this as a process, as an order, as an ilam, from a very close place. The close place, uh, some people say it is the dome, it, it is, uh, is the rock in there in Jerusalem. It is from that place that Israfil will blow. That's one interpretation, and so on. Anyway, again, don't get into the... Uh, you know, nitty-gritty, granular discussions. Is it there? Is it the Dome of the Rock? Is it Makkah? Is it Arafat? Don't go in there. You'll lose the message. If you get into that, that's not for you. That's for the academics. For us, as readers of the Quran, there is going to be a tremendous sound that we will hear, all of us, with the same intensity. And what will that sound do? The sound will resurrect. That's how powerful this sound is. So now we have to think about that sound, the sayha, the crying, the shriek, uh, and, and, you know, the shout, basically. A huge shout, it will just knock us out. We'll, have, we'll lose our balance. We lose your balance, the knocking. And it's called al-qari, the knocking. The knocking, the sound will just knock you out of balance. You won't have any sense and you'll have no sensitivity. So human beings, all human beings must now think about that shout. Okay. You've done everything in the dunya, okay. You, you manage, you accomplish everything. You control the world and you're Dhul and okay. But even Dhul Qarnayn will have to listen to that shout. Uh, he's not exempt from that. Now, the Anbiya will listen to the shout, except that they'll be okay, inshallah. So now he says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala okay. You have a nidham system to better yourself, improve yourself, be successful in this phase of your existence. But now, how do you prepare for the next phase? So now a Muslim cannot afford to be short-sighted. A Muslim must be foresighted. Um, a visionary that I have to prepare for another day. It's not just this day, another day. Yeah. The day that they will all listen to the shout, the cry. In truth, it will be truthful and it will happen. That is the day of now coming out, exiting from the graves. One is this yom, and this is this yom. So you go back to the previous ayah of six days, then as I said, the word yom will be different in different contexts. So in this context, this will happen, in this context, and so on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through his fadl and al-Qur'an al-Majid, the noble Qur'an, is introducing human beings to everything that the human being needs to know and will face in his life journey. Uh, so that is how noble the Qur'an is. Inna nahnu nuhi wa numit wa ilayna al-masid. It is indeed us, that we are the ones that give life, and we are the ones that cause death. Uh, this is how Allah is bringing 
this uh, you know huge huge concept of uh, you know monopolizing creation. Allah is claiming that He is the only one that can give life, and He is the only one that can give death. So when you are in your graves and you have no real consciousness, uh, you will be resurrected. So Allah gives you life there also, and Allah gives you death also. So even with the sayha, some people will be as if they are about to die. وَيْلَيْنَ الْمَصِيدِ is only to us that the eventual return is that everybody will come back to us eventually. So Allah will then establish his kingdom, his authority, his command on a day where no one else will be able to speak. So now a Muslim must also prepare for that day. And that is the beauty of this message, that Allah is not just warning you, he is also giving you a, you know, information about what happens before time, what happens after time. So Allah gives information that he created the heavens and the earth and everything between the two. In six days that happens before time. And then time is created within that. And then he's given you now information about what happens after time. I mean, the day of judgment is not exactly out of time yet, but very close to the time when it does expire in Jannah. Uh, right. So within the confines of space and time, you know, maybe your aql may be able to grasp a few things. You may be able to hypothesize and you may use your telescopes and microscopes to see what happens within the space and time. But outside of time, you have no ability. You don't have the tools by which you can know and ascertain what happens. So Allah gives you that through wahi. So Wahi gives you knowledge of that which otherwise you would not be able to perceive and procure. That is how Allah is saying it is to us the final return, <coughs> the fate, al-masir. is only to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is the only one who can actually make that claim. يَوْمَ تَشَقَّقُ الْأَرْضُ عَنْهُمْ it is the day where the earth will be split asunder and it will be split open just because of the day, meaning the, the, the earth coming uh, is now uh, to, to this position is because of the day necessitates that, the time does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they will return to him and whom? away from them, if you want to say that, Sirah, uh, very quickly and very hastily, they will all come out from their graves and they will gravitate towards the mahshar, and so on, towards the place of gathering. This is the gathering that is very easy for us. Allah says that uh, to gather a few people somewhere in a place, like that's a kind of a tall order in his uh, gathering people uh, for a concert or a you know, baseball game. Okay, that's okay. It's easier gathering people for a national event. Um, that's a bit more difficult. Gathering the whole world on one platform, that's impossible. Gathering all human beings at the same time on one platform is beyond conception. 
So what does Allah say? This is easy for us. <laughs> like fatigue didn't touch us when we created the heavens and the earth. We didn't even feel a pinch. Likewise here, he says that if you want to gather everybody, it's easy. I mean, everything Allah does is uh, very easy for him to do. And so on. So, and then what is the, uh, if you want to do the tasir on this, and then just imagine uh, what a spectacle that's going to be. MashaAllah, those of you who've been for Hajj, when you go for Hajj, you just see a, a, a sea of human beings. And it is the most amazing spectacle you'll ever see on the planet. Huh? The most amazing spectacle anyone can witness on this planet is when you see a sea of human beings. There's nothing like it. It is energizing, it is invigorating, it is mesmerizing, it is captivating. And there's just two million people, three million people. Can you imagine billions of people that you're going to wake up to? <laughs> Where is this? Where am I? It would be a cultural shock. To manage that, to organize that, to make that happen, Allah says, Yasir, it's easy. So now you know that when the Prophet says, listen to this ayah, he said that Allah is able to gather you know, a trillion more people. It's easy for him. Likewise, it's easy for him to gather millions of people on Islam. That's the analogy that the Prophet will be seeing and hearing and thinking when he reads this ayah. It is easy for Allah to gather people on hidayah and guidance and the Quran and the Sunnah and Islam, which he saw at Arafat, right? Yeah, on the day of Hajj. So these are all motivational, inspirational ayat for the Prophet and this is how he is thinking. At the same time, he's also thinking of his own hashar, his own, uh, inshallah, situation, condition on the day of judgment. So it's both. So that's so when when you can imagine that Allah is able to do this, then you can come back to the dunya. Allah is able to do this, so it's possible that people can become Muslim again at a very large scale. For Allah, it's easy. For us, we have hangups. Well, we can, well, always these obstacles. This obstacle, this obstacle. How are we going to do this? It is impossible. It's not possible. We can never do it. We're losers. We're backward. But if you know about the day of judgment, nothing is impossible. You need that determination. You need that himma. And you need that belief more than anything else. You can't be a defeatist and just give up because everybody's pathetic. Okay, everybody's pathetic. What about you? You're just as pathetic. In fact, you'll be leading the pack of being pathetic. Because you don't believe, you don't have iman. When you have iman, you have everything. You have this ni'ama of being positive, of being aggressive, of being now optimistic, of saying, no, Allah is capable of doing anything and everything. It's just our inability to believe that. And then our inability to plan for that and to organize for that, that that's what stops us, otherwise nothing stops us. Inshallah, inshallah. Um, 
If McDonald's can be a household name, what's stopping Islam from becoming a household name? Muslims, they don't believe Islam is the truth. That's what the problem is. Right? The problem is that Muslims don't believe. So there you go. Try some McDonald's marketing. You might get somewhere. It's easy for us to gather everybody in one platform, one place, one time. It's easy. Use that to, first of all, strengthen yourself, and second of all, to give you some hope, optimism. It's just you need to do it the way uh, Islam says you should do it, not the way anyone else says you should do it. Okay? You have to be originally Muslim, and there are rules and regulations in the sunnah, that guide you, just follow them. You don't want to be following the sunnah because you have some other ism in your mind that is, oh, this is better, this is better. Nothing is better than the sunnah of the Prophet It's very clear, inshallah. We know much more about what it is they are saying. We are well aware of what it is they're saying. So obviously the Quraysh had, uh, you know, their plots and their schemes and their antagonism and all of their ideas against Muslims, against Islam, against the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So Allah says, we know much more about them, what they say. There are some things you know, and there are some things you don't know what they say. So we know more. Uh, Now you have to appreciate the context. So this is Makkah, which is obviously the economic center uh, of the uh, Jazeera, the peninsula. It is uh, the capital for all the Arabs and all the Arab tribes, and the Muslims are just so few. Why is the Quraysh so worried about 30, 40 people? That's the context. Now, Makkah might have had 5,000, 10,000 people. Even in that ratio, there's only 30, 40 Muslims. Why is the Quraysh so threatened by these 30, 40 people? That's the question you should be asking. It's because these 30, 40 people have the ultimate truth. When you have the ultimate truth, okay, others will always be intimidated. You're always a threat. So truth is always a threat in any society. So it doesn't matter how many people you have. But these people, at the time of Hijra, there were 80 people. At most. So now the the, the Quraysh, despite having economic power and political authority and total domination, they were so afraid that they would have meetings and forums and they would have mashwara, and they would sit all night to discuss how do we destroy these people. Yeah. Now we are a billion, and no one winks. Nobody says, oh, Muslims, a billion people, we are total an entity. <laughs> Why? Because the, the, the message is not there, the theory is wrong. The truth is not there. Once you have truth, people not only will they respect you, they'll honor you and they'll give you credence, uh, inshallah.
So Allah says, we know more about what they say. You know some things what they say, uh, but we know much more than what they say. And what they say, as Allah says, in kana makarum. لِتَزُولَ مِنْهُ الْجِبَالِ Allah says about the makar of the Quraysh. Even though they're scheming and they're plotting, is about to move mountains. This is how brutal the Quraysh were against the Prophet ﷺ. They, were, they would move mountains. They're scheming and plotting. Allah is the best of schemers and planners and plotters and so on. Yeah, so that's why it's historic. That's why understanding the seer of the Prophet in Mecca and in Medina is historic. It is what makes or breaks your Islam. So you have to get that theory correct. And then you can follow the Sunnah and so on. And in the context of these ayat that Allah is now saying, we know much more than what they say. Think about what the ayah is saying and speaking to you in this way. But you, O Muhammad, are not dominant over them. You're not a physical warden over them. You're not going to be a dictator, jabbar, over them. You're going to do it the way that Allah wants you to do, and that is by convincing them that Islam is the truth, the Quran is the haq, and so on. You're not going to do it by force. Jabbar, there's no jabbar, there's no imposition that the Prophet is going to levy on any one human being and force them to become Muslim and to believe in the Quran, uh, etc. So what do you do, O Muhammad, if you don't have the physical dominance that perhaps other people might use? Then you must remind people through the Quran. So your now weapon will be the Quran. Intellectual uh, orientation, and ethical behavior and absolute trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you guide them through the Quran for the kir. Uh, you remind them and you guide them through the Quran, through your own behavior, through your own knowledge, and through your own ability to persuade people. And then that is how you succeed. So again, the Quran comes in as a revelation. I mean, to guide people through revelation because revelation is. Uh, something they cannot achieve or they cannot receive without divine guidance. And they have revelation through you. Remind the person who fears our threats and our promise about capturing them, seizing them, etc. This doesn't mean you don't remind other people. It's just that the beneficiary of this tadkir, this reminder, which is the Qur'an, is for those who actually believe uh, in the Day of Judgment and they actually, uh, they're, they're in awe of meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how the Prophet so meaning that your objective will be to bring people into Islam and have them practice Islam and have them fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so on. that is your ultimate objective. They are now the the, the, the uh, conclusion of your mission. So you have two types of uh, ummah. One is ummah that is given da'wah to, regardless of whether they accept or don't accept ummah to da'wah. 
And you have an ummah that accepts the mission and the message. That is ummah to ijaba. Okay, so the tathkir is for everybody, but the beneficiary of the tafsir is the ummah to ijaba. Once you have a group of people who believe, then your mission is accomplished. So if you can gather Muslims in one place where everybody is Muslim, your mission is accomplished, which happened at Hajj Akbar on that day of, uh, you know, Hajj. Right. So basically to recap the whole surah, the surah begins with the letter Khaf. Allah swears by Al-Quran Al-Majid, the noble Quran. And Allah reveals in this surah all the ayat of his majd, his honor, his sharaf, his dignity, his nobility, which means that everything that human beings need in order to procure Allah's nobility, honor, is mentioned in this surah. So this surah then will be comprehensive. It will mention things that happened before time, during time, after time. It will mention how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows all the phases of human creation and human existence. And at the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now guiding the Prophet sallallahu how he can now give this nobility to all of mankind. That Islam is there for sharing. Uh, Islam is not there for hoarding. Unfortunately, sometimes Muslims think they have to hoard Islam and preserve it in such a way that nobody else knows about it, which is the downfall. Right? <laughs> if Islam is a gift, then share the gift with all of mankind. Don't you hold it for yourself and keep it somewhere in a vault where you you lose your key also. I want to open the vault of Islam, but I don't have a key anymore. <laughs> That's the plight of Muslims. They want to hold Islam and keep it so secret. It's so secret we can't even talk about Islam with, in front of non-Muslims. Oh, no, no, they'll be scared of it. It mentions Jahannam. They'll be scared of Islam. And they should be scared of Jahannam. That's the whole point. The one who fears of threat. Because if they are scared of Jahannam, they become good people. If they're not scared of Jahannam, they can do whatever heck they want, which is what they do. What I'm saying is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through his majd, the sifa, al-Quran al-Majid, you have to think about why the sifa al-Majid is there in this revelation. It is that, that Allah is honorable, he has sharaf, he has honor, he has dignity, and he wants to reveal this to human beings. So that human beings will now enjoy his honor and his dignity and everything else. They can only do that through a human process. That human process is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Anyway, that's the extent of this uh, explanation of this surah this time. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us from his tawfiq and allow us to recite the Qur'an, understand it, and allow us to implement it in our lives. Ameen, ya Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayr khalqi, Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi 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 wa sahab